Amen. Good morning, church. A good morning, and if you are a preteen or teen, now is the time to be dismissed to our preteen teen class. You can make your way out of the sanctuary to the classroom. Great to see our visitors today. Thank you for coming to Creekside Community Church and worshiping with you. Thank you for all of our online people. Saw a lot on this morning, and again, welcome. Thank you for joining us online. If you are visiting, we are in a series called Experiencing God. We're in week four And we're talking about experiencing God, right? How he is always at work around us, how he invites us in, which we're going to talk about today, how he's in a love relationship. And I love, I got to talk to several of our group members and leaders. We've got four small groups doing this workbook that Henry Blackaby did called Experiencing God. I've heard some amazing stories I think maybe one Sunday we might have those of you that just love being up in front of people uh, share some of the stories because there's been some powerful stories shared in our small groups and it's just so good. This is the first time I've ever done the message sermon series along with it. It's just a powerful anointed study and I love hearing back from the people in groups and the group leaders saying, wow, we we had a really good group and we shared and, and God's just revealing things. And there's been a just a, it's a good ongoing journey just to deepen your walk of faith. And again, for lack of a catchphrase, just to experience God. So let's get into it. This week, uh, the chapter was called Love and God's Invitation. Now, I thought about this. Have you ever looked at the mailbox or, or knew of a big event and thought, wow, I hope I get invited to that. Or maybe we can take it back to our high school days when the popular kids, and maybe you weren't such a popular kid, and they were going to have that big party or get together, and you really wanted to go. And for some of us, maybe the invitation didn't come, and then some of us for the first time got that invitation. And if you got one in the mail, you know, you saw it, and you're like, wow, they think enough of me to invite me in. And that's where this chapter, this week, we kind of find things. Our memory verse, each week has a memory verse. Jesus says in John 14, 21, whoever has my commands and keeps them, it's not enough just to have them, we have to keep them, is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them, and watch this, more importantly, show myself to them. So Jesus wants us to get that it's about keeping commands, but I want to sow this seed with you. It's, you know, some of us grew up in churches where all the emphasis were on keeping commands because it was legalistic and rule taker. And they miss this verse because you know what they miss in this verse? Love. And you maybe have heard me said it before. A lot of people today, a lot of believers, a lot of Christians don't have an obedience problem. They have a love problem. Because they don't love Jesus as Jesus is calling us, inviting us to love. If you truly love somebody, then keeping their commands, their invitations, being vital in the relationship is not a hard task. So we have to have that love relationship established. 
And what I've been doing in the messages is going through the days and, and God's been blessing me with verses. They're not always in your chapter studies. If you're new to experiencing God and for our visitors today, the workbook you fill out, you have to work 10, sometimes 20, uh, 10, 20, sometimes 25 minutes. There's some questions to answer. You rewrite scriptures, you rewrite prayers. Uh, you, you have to put some effort into it, but it's a five day work plan every week. So day one was knowing God. And the verse that God laid on my heart was, you know, Paul. Uh, Here's a guy who came 360. Here's a guy who was persecuting the church, trying to squash Christianity. And then he becomes its biggest aggressor, spreading Christianity everywhere. And at one point in his life, Paul said this to the Philippian church, Philippians 3, 10 and 11. I want to know Christ. Now, I'll just say this if you're, if you're, Study the Bible anytime. This no is just not to hear about somebody. This is the same term that's used throughout the Bible in the Old Testament that Adam knew Eve. I'm not going to get into details, but you know what I mean, husbands. This is an intimate knowing. It's that I have this deep relationship. And Paul says, I just don't want to hear about Christ. He says, I want to know Christ to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. See, Paul just didn't have the Jesus is my homeboy t-shirt. Paul just didn't have a, a, a fish sticker, I guess, on his wagon. Didn't have bumpers back there. Well, they had them. But you know, you're, you're with me. Hang with me. We got so many Christians being Christians in name only. But Paul says, I really want to know God. See, I see today there's a lot of people that know of God. There's a lot of people that know about God. But how many of us really can say, I know God? I know how he acts, I know how he responds, I know what he's capable of, I know his power, I know his protection. Some of you, some of you have experienced that. I, I've, I and my family have experienced some provid- provincial grace, providential grace, just this last week. And I just had to stop and thank him and say, hey God, thank you for protecting us from this situation. And that's the kind of God he is. Day two is worship God. I I hope that you're worshiping God the six other days of the week. I hope that 10 o'clock to 11 o'clock hour here at Creekside is not the only time you worship God. And worshiping God is not just standing and singing or playing instruments to him. Worshiping God can be acts of servitude during the week. Worshiping God can be praying for that person that just needs prayer at that time in their life. Jesus said, in a, if you've never read the story of Jesus and the woman in the well, man, it frames up who Jesus and God really are. Go to John 4. The verse I picked is John 4, 23 and 24. See, the Samaritan woman had a way of doing things. She had her denomination's way of doing it and thought it was all right. And Jesus said, you don't have it figured out. Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. If you want to find God or God to find you in worship, then be worshiping him in spirit and in truth. You don't have to be in a church building to do that, y'all. Because God's everywhere.
God is spirit and his worshipers, his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. And some people take this to extremes. But in spirit and in truth, God is spirit. The spirit of God, if you've been born again as a Christian, the spirit of God indwells in you. And you know, so some of you come in here and you really need this collective corporate worship. And we're blessed. Let me just bless. We're blessed with an amazing praise team. We're blessed with an amazing worship pastor. Uh, We're blessed with talent that rotates in and out. And some mornings, you just need a refreshing to your soul. Somebody say amen. amen. And isn't it great sometimes, too, how the song maybe has been on your heart or that struck a nerve that you sang like me in a little country church. I can't tell you how many times I've sang Blessed Assurance. But I'll tell you this sometimes. I take those words for granted. And I should sing them in spirit and truth. Blessed Assurance. The person that wrote that, to say blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Do you think they knew God? He's mine. So we have to worship. Number three, day three, is to love God. And this is an easy one. Deuteronomy, which Jesus quotes in the gospel, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. And other passages say even your mind. These commandments I give today, I give you today, are to be on your hearts Are you all in? Are you loving him, heart, mind, and soul, strength? Day four, God invites you to join him. There's a constant invitation, which we're fixing to unpack. And I love this verse. I'll be honest, preparing the message I struggled with because we've had a lot of verses about invitation. And I was like, Lord, what's a great verse for invitation? And then I went to Revelation 3.20. And you may have seen the painting where Jesus is at a door and he's knocking. And I have to say that myself and sometimes other ministers have used this verse in the wrong way. Let me read it and I'll show you why. Here I am, Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. We've used that as pastors and preachers sometimes as an invitation call to unbelievers. But if you read the context of Revelation 3, Jesus is speaking to the seven churches. Are you with me? Jesus is talking to believers. Jesus is talking to his own, saying, I'm at your house. I'm at the door. Can I come in and have some fellowship with you? Sometimes we don't answer the door. (laughs) This just fell in. If Jesus was alive today, can you imagine seeing him on the ring camera? (laughs) My mind wanders. I'm sorry. It'd be cool as all get out, wouldn't it? Honey, honey, who is it? You ain't going to believe this. He's got a staff and he's dressed kind of funny. Hair's a little long too. Had to throw that in. Who is it? But to you, we're all at different levels of faith, walks, life. Has Jesus been knocking on the door to your heart lately? Has Jesus saying, I miss those times when we used to be so close together? 
Is he knocking? Because this passage is to the believing people. This passage is to the church. It's not to the ones who've never heard the names of Christ. That's our job. That's our fellow, us fellow believers. And then last, knowing where God is at work. This was an easy one too because Jesus says this in John five seventeen: My father is always at his work to this very day. And I too am working. Do you know God doesn't kick back in the easy chair and takes shoes off and relaxes? Uh, you know how I know that? From this verse. There's a key word there, right, church? Always. God doesn't need sleep. He doesn't need rest. He did that one rest after the huge thing he did in creation. He's always awake. He's always listening. He's always present. He's always knowing. He's always at work somewhere. Our job is to open our eyes and open our hearts and see him working. So my takeaway, since the title of this was Love and God's Invitation, and as I set up that story of us getting an invitation in the mail, I want to talk about what a great invitation God gives us, the great invitation of God. And I want to give you six things this is not an all-inclusive list. I, I, I probably, you could probably, you could list up 10, 20 things of God inviting us into, but I think this flows with where we're going in this study, in this message series. Number one, he invites us, God invites us to follow him. He wants us to come along. Matthew 16, 24, Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. We talked about this in our small group last week of what we have to do. And the key one, the hard one is deny ourselves, not make it all about us. Because I don't know about you, but when I default back to the flesh and human nature, I can make it all about me. Can anybody else? But we're supposed to deny ourselves and say, I'm not all that. Like Mikey saying and the team saying, I depend on you. I depend on you, Lord, to put me where you need me. I, I depend on you to help me through this family situation. I'm going to follow you over the mountains when I'm up on the high places. And, Lord, I'm going to follow you through the valleys when it gets a little dark. Yea, though I walk through the sh valley of the shadow of death. I, you know, remember this? I will fear no evil. Why, why do we fear not no evil? For you are with me. So you can't be with him if you're not following him. <laughs> um, the great motivational speaker, and I'm dropping his name right now, does all, a lot of motivational, but he, he has a quote where he says, if you're a leader and nobody's following you, you're not leading, you're just out for a hike. <laughs> it's true. And Jesus invited from the beach, but then he, then he upped the responsibility when he hit this passage. If you really, yeah, here's the crux too. You want to be my disciple. You don't want to be the world's. You want to know God. You want to know Jesus. Number two, God invites us to allow him to meet all our needs. Do you depend on him? I've got several verses here. Listen with your hearts. Isaiah 55, 1. Everyone who thirsts comes to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. 
This is the kind of God who wants to provide for us. John 7, 37, 38. Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. I don't know about you, church. I see some thirsty people out there. I see people that need a drink from the living water of Christ. And we are water bearers, but sometimes we're not giving them the drink. John 6, for the bread of God, which was come down of heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, always give us this bread. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He that comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. Thirsting, hungering, taking care of her needs. Do, do you really depend on him for that? Do you believe that God will allow you that invitation to where he can invite you. Let, let me meet your needs. Now, let me clarify. This is not a name it, claim it gospel. You can't be asking for 15 cars and a million dollar mansion because that goes against the will of God, what he's doing for your life. If you notice, these are basic needs like bread and water. <laughs> okay. God can supply those. Here's an important one. Here. I cannot emphasize this enough, and I'm, I'm preaching to me hard too, and I know some of you are right there with me. Our society has indoctrinated us that we need to live, as those 70 philosophers from the Eagles have said, life in the fast lane. God invites us to rest with him. And I see so many people, and I'm guilty of not spending time to rest. In this culture, sometimes we think rest is laziness. But God constantly, Jesus constantly stole away from the group in his ministry and went to a quiet place and recharged or hung out at Mary and Martha's. And some of us, some of us are going with life and family and kids and work at blazing microwave speed. And we wonder why we're tired all the time and why we're stressed out and burned out because we haven't made time to rest in his presence. Jesus invited the disciples, come away with me. After a big ministry experience, Jesus said, come get away with me and rest. Are you rested? Matthew 28, I love this verse. I'm, I'm sorry, Matthew 11, 20, 30. Come to me, Jesus talking. All who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke, that's his teaching upon you, and learn from me. I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. I just challenge you. When's the last time you took a day off for no reason than you needed a day off to rest and recharge in the Lord? Or maybe, I've been guilty of this, I'll confess this right now. When's the last time you took a day off just to spend with your children because they've been asking you four or five times and you've just got to get that project rolled out? You know, one day, whatever work you're in, and you're doing, it's going to end, but your family's going to be there forever. And the time spent with those family members is far worth far more 
than any project you'll ever do. When's the last time you rested and invested in what's near and dear to you and to God? God invites us to ask him. God invites us just to ask. John 14, Jesus says, 13 and 14, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. We've got to talk about that. If you ask me for anything in my name, I'll do it. Again, this is not name it, claim it, prosperity. Okay, Lord, I want this. Notice, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son, that's speaking into in accordance to God's will. Because we can't ask amiss. We can't ask wrong. But this is the whole part of experiencing God, and hopefully all of you who are doing it in the workbook or in small groups, you are developing, you're getting deeper into your relationship and understanding God so that you know better what to ask. Somebody say amen. God's revealed himself. And when you come into that intimate relationship with him, you realize this is what I've been at. I, I mean, show, I, I am going to call a show of hands. How many of y'all have prayed for something for some way and the Holy Spirit or circumstances changed your heart where you made the statement, I need to change the way I pray? How many have done it? Yeah. Yeah. That's God working on us. To say, I, I need to line up my... You know, this is doing it our way. I need to line up my desires. I need to line up my will with yours, God. And amazingly, you know what I've found? The prayers that I concentrate and focus and align with God's, they get answered a lot faster and better than my individual wantings because they're in God's will. And as Jesus says, Ask so that the Father can be glorified, so that what you're doing brings glory to God and people see it and people see you praying and they see prayers being answered and they're like, what is going on with you? How is all this happening in your life? Well, I've come to know God. I've come to accept God. I depend on God. I have a relationship with God where I can go to him and I can ask him. The next one is so powerful. He invites us to forgiveness. I love this. Isaiah 118. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be wool. Think of your past before you came to know Christ. Think about all the stupid stuff you did. Think about all the sinful things you did. And God says, if you ask, I can in one swoop forgive you of everything you've ever done. I haven't watched it yet, but I've seen in my Facebook feed uh, a trending on, I think there's a documentary out on Jeffrey Dahmer. Horrific guy, right? Horrific crimes, horrific sins. But if you read his story, and it's actually on Wikipedia, He got arrested, he got charged, he got convicted, he went to jail. But in jail, Jeffrey Dahmer accepted Christ. I have a friend who turns this around. Because we see this vile, horrific, I mean, that's as bad as, I I can't imagine that. 
knowing somebody did, some, some evil person did that to my family members. But God asks us and God grants forgiveness. But my pastor pal says this. We've heard this phrase. You may have said this phrase. I've said this phrase before this story. Well, if God can save Jeffrey Dahmer, he can save me. Or he can save that person. Sometimes we point at people. And Eric, my pastor pal, he says this. He says, we, we've got that backwards. If God can save Mark, God can save Jeffrey Dahmer. What a wretched man I am. And we all are till we found the grace, the love, the forgiveness of God. God will take our sins. And the picture here is a lamb or a, a robe dipped in blood, bloody and stained. Stains that won't come out. And in an instant, God can make them white, clean, and beautiful. I, I don't know of a better picture. I don't know of a better invitation for us that he invites you to forgiveness. And I'm going to echo what Mikey says. I love Mikey. I love his talks in between the songs. I encourage him to do it, and I love hearing his heart. And if you've noticed, one of the things he says, and I'm glad he says it frequently, if you've come in here carrying something, holding something in your hands, can I tell you, God invites you to forgiveness. There's nothing you have done that God hasn't seen. And more importantly, there's nothing you have done that God can't forgive. He asks us, invites us to forgiveness. And then, he invites us to invite others. How many of y'all do this? I know we got some fellow foodies here. If a new restaurant that you liked, I'll give you an example. I love Thai food. I love Vietnamese food. If this killer Vietnamese restaurant opened in Hot Springs, and I go and it's awesome, what do you think? Am I going to call the people I know love food experiences, or I'm going to keep it to myself? No, I'm going to call my buddy Ed, who's a fellow foodie. <laughs> Ed don't mind me calling him out. I'm like, hey, man, I know you like Asian Vietnamese. You got to try this place down on Central. What am I doing? I'm inviting him to experience something good I found. Can I tell you, church, this morning, there's nothing better than Jesus Christ when you found him. I believe it was Spurgeon said, the gospel is nothing more than one beggar finding bread and telling everybody else where the bread is. Do we have that urgency? Do we have that heart to say, hey, you ought to come be part of my church family. Hey, you ought to come join the family of God. I want to invite you into something. And the great invitation story we find in Matthew, I'll set it up before I read the verse. Jesus tells a parable of a king who's throwing a lavish party. I mean, he's got resources and he throws the people that you usually invite because it makes the party look good and they're the well-standing citizens of the area. And they stiff him. They don't show up. And it hacks the king off. So he goes this. So go out to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find. I love this. The bad as well as the good. Go down by Jackson House and grab all those homeless people. 
Go out to Centerfold and catch the girls coming off work. Wow, some of us might be a little comfortable at that banquet. That's what Jesus says. Go grab everybody, the bad as well as the good. And look what happened. The wedding hall was filled with guests. Are we going out into the streets and the byways and the highways and say, hey, I know what you need. You need Jesus. And we've got a family that uplifts Jesus. And we've got a family that prays together. And we've prayed together and seen things happen. We've seen babies that are preemies get healthy. We've seen people with diseases get good reports instead of bad reports. We want to invite you into a family that will love you. You you know, it's that great line, come as you are. We just don't want, and Jesus don't want you to stay there. We want you to grow and go deeper and get better in the kingdom of God. We are called to be his ambassadors. We are called to share the goodness of what we found. We ought to be inviting others as he's invited you. For some, if, you, if you're here today and you can say I'm a born-again believer, then some point in your life, God's invitation hit you and you came to him. Maybe you walked an aisle in service. Maybe after hours, maybe you pulled off to the side of the road and had a moment with the Lord. But there was an invitation But I really believe we, the church, we Christians, are not urgently. You know, one of our church planning network slogans is salvation hangs in the balance. We're a planet now of 7 billion people, and last stats show that only 2, 2.4 are Christians. Do you know what that means? 5 billion people are going to hell. That's urgent. They need an invitation from us. From God, and God uses us to be his hands, his feet, and especially his words, his mouth. So in closing, I want to tell you a great invitation story. The story is told that there was an art collector who had collected the famous works of art all of his life. I mean, he had some prizes. He had some Picassos, Monets, even some Rembrandts. It was worth untold fortunes. And he passed away. And so the executive estate decided to auction off all of the paintings. Well, as you can imagine, through the art world, the other collectors were just hungry to get their hands. Because usually, you know, in an estate sale, you can buy things reasonably. I mean, art's going to have its value. So the day of the art sale, I mean, the auction hall was packed with all the prominent art collectors. And as the show started, the MC came out and they brought out a painting, a smaller painting, and it wasn't recognized. It was just a little landscape scene. And the curator began to talk. He says, I know you guys are here for the great works of art that this collector had, but we're going to start today's auction in a special way. By his own request, we're starting with this painting that the collector's only son painted for him that was of great joy to him. What do I hear for this painting? And everybody's stunned as it wasn't really that good. But you know, there's always somebody to break the ice. And so finally somebody almost insulted said, I'll give $20. And it went from 20 to 25 to 75 and 
it sold for a measly $100. And when the gavel came down and the auctioneer said, sold, the very thing next out of his mouth. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for coming today. That concludes our auction. And the uproar went through the crowd. Well, wait, wait a minute. We're here for the great works of art. We're here for this. And the auctioneer said, by request of the father, the first work of art that you saw was painted by his one and only son. And he has given instructions that whoever cared enough to take the son receives the father. Have you taken the son this morning? Because if you'll take the son of God, if you'll take Jesus, all the treasures, all the great things, all the opportunities that come from the father can be yours. Maybe this morning you've never named his name. Maybe you've never said, I believe that Jesus is the son of the true and living God and walked an aisle and been buried in baptism to start your new life. But also, I believe there's those out there, like I once was, a prodigal who left the Lord for 12 years and wandered away in the ways of the world. I, I, I want to invite you to come home. I want to invite you to hear the invitation of God and realize no matter how long you've been away, you can still come back in. And God's grace, God's love, God's mercy, his forgiveness can be yours. And he's inviting you this morning. If he's tugging on your heartstring, if the words of scripture and his words are reminding you, he still wants me. I can still be part of the family. I can still be loved for who I am. Warts, scars, past and all. Then consider this your invitation. To come to him or to come back to him. Don't deny the great invitation of God. Let's pray together. Father, that illustration reminds us that it's all through your son. As we sang, Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life. You're our life. And Father, we come to you by Jesus, accepting him, believing that he is who he says he is, that you sent him, that he rose again on that third day to your glory, and he's seated now at the right hand of your heavenly throne. And just like the person that took the son, we can receive from you all your goodness, all your provisions, all your protection, all the amenities, if you will, for lack of a better word, of being in a deep love relationship with you. Love, God, you are love, and you invite us to come be loved. So this morning, I pray for the ones who maybe came in here with a heavy heart or online thinking, man, I need to get back to God. Man, I wish somebody would invite me to be part of a corporate family of a local church of believers, Father let the Holy Spirit work on their hearts. And God, if there's any that's been thinking about taking that first step to take the Son, move their heart to do so as well. 
God, continue to invite us into this deep relationship. Help us to know you, to see you at work at all the things that we're deep diving into so that we can be, as Jesus said, his disciples, to truly know him, to love him, and most importantly, to follow and obey him because the world needs that more than anything else today. Empower us, Lord. Reveal yourself and keep inviting us. We pray this through your son, our Savior Jesus, in his name, amen.